0: What's going on, Liberty 412 family? This is MA and this is week seven of us breaking down First Timothy 412. And we're talking this week on purity and what it means for us to have a pure heart. Now, I know a lot of times in our society today, when we talk about purity inside the church, we think about sexual purity, and that is a very important thing. But this week, I really wanna focus on what it means to have a pure heart. Because if in all reality, the trueness of who we are and the pureness of our lives come from the heart, then if we have a pure heart, we're dealing with the root issues of anything that is impure in our life. So I believe that's what Paul was really trying to tell Timothy was not one specific idea of purity as far as like sexual purity, but I think it was more of a, hey, have a pure heart and therefore every facet of your life will begin to become pure if we allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of us. Psalms 24, three through five says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So today we are going to break down purity and talk about a pure heart. Now here's something that I find very interesting in our society today we we like to rate things and talk about the severity of things and how bad this is or how bad that is, or we downplay sins in our lives. And you know, if somebody does something and they feel guilty about it, generally we say, Oh, that, that's not a big deal. Everybody does that. Like, don't worry about it. It's good. But in reality, is it good? Is it all right that we rate sin? So I'm gonna start off by just listing a couple sins that I know are in our society and probably in our own lives. And I want you to just think of a number one through 10, one being not severe at all and 10 being extremely severe. And I want you to rate these sins just in your mind as we go through it. What about a white lie? Where would you rate that one to 10? What about speeding, stealing, selfishness, bullying, gossip? What about disobedience? Maybe disobeying your parents or disobeying an authority figure in your life. What about murder? What about pride or bitterness? Now, the truth is, as I said these instantly, you probably had a number that you came up with, or you began to kind of I guess, negotiate in your mind where you would place that that specific sin on a scale of 1 to 10. Like with a white lie, you immediately were probably like, well, that's a 1 or maybe a 0.5. And when I said murder, it was an instant 10. Or maybe you extended the scale and you're like, man, that is a 15. And those are very, very extremes there. And in our society, in our world today, we, we do have extremes. And each one of those sins... Carries different consequences where the white lie, there's not much consequence at all. Whereas in our society a murder, there's an extreme consequence that comes with that. But today I want to talk about sins that we, nobody really talks about inside the church. And that's sins of the heart. That's the unseen sins. Sins that people don't even really see in our lives, like selfishness or pride or bitterness or, you know, thoughts that come into our mind that are sinful that we never talk about, we never tell anybody about. What about those sins? Where do we rate those? Do we couple all those sins that no one can seize down in the very bottom scale? Maybe they're a one or a two or a three because no one sees them, but if they ever actually came to fruition, they might be closer up there to a nine or a ten. Why do we classify sins? What 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 is our purpose in that? I honestly think it's because it, we try and make it ourselves feel better. But let's talk about how God views sins for a minute. And I, I just want to use an analogy to kind of get this. You know, I'm a very visual person, and I like seeing analogies and seeing visuals. Now I know this is through auditory so I need you to use your imagination for a minute but you know it's been really hot the past couple weeks like real hot like a couple weeks ago heat index of 110 and stuff Uh, and when it's hot man there's nothing more that I like than a cold glass of lemonade right like it's so refreshing like when I come in from a hot hot day to see a glass of lemonade sitting there it's the glass is sweating it just looks so beautiful It is. And and the lemon taste is just so refreshing. It is amazing. Now let's imagine that that glass of lemonade represents our life, right? It is so glorious. and so perfect. And it looks so nice. But let's say right before you go to drink that lemonade that represents your life, you hawk a loogie in it, or someone hawks a loogie in it. Do you still want that that glass of lemonade now? No, you turn up your nose and be like, that's nasty. That's disgusting. what if I took a spoon and mixed it up where you couldn't even see the loogie anymore? You know, like, does it really matter? You can't see it. It's not there, but it is there and you know about it and you've seen it. Now that's how God views our sin. He knows it's there. He sees everything we do. He sees the trueness of our heart. He sees our thoughts. And so even if we can hide it from the physical world, even if we can hide these sins from the world, of, you know, hum, human, humanistic terms of people being able to view our lives. God sees everything. And so our life is like that lemonade and a little white lie is like that loogie. Nobody wants to drink it because it's nasty. Even if even if it's not visible, like we mix it in all, oh, it's, it's, you can't see it anymore. Go ahead and drink it. You wouldn't drink it. And that's how God views sin because he sees everything. Now, yes, if we took a whole thing of, you know, cayenne pepper, and poured it on top and it like all the particles were floating and it was chunky and it was nasty. Yeah, we wouldn't want to drink that either. But if you know about the sin that is in that in that life, if you know about that loogie that's in that lemonade, even if it's not visible, but you saw it happen, you saw it go in, you saw it get mixed up. Even if you can't tell that it's in there, you know, it's in there. So therefore, do you still want it? See, this is how God views sin. It says that we have all fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. And Romans 6, says, for the wages of sin is death. So we all deserve death. Whether, whether it is a big old hunking sin like murder or whether it's a white lie, any sin and every sin constitutes the same consequence. And that is death and eternal separation from Christ Jesus, our Lord. So why don't we talk about these sins that are of the heart? why don't we talk about these unseen sins? Is it because maybe if we really understood the trueness of our heart, it would reveal more and more? Because here's the truth, parents. Like when we talk about our kids and we talk about their sins and we talk about the life they live, man, you hear it all the time. Like, oh, that that person is a great Christian person. They're a good Christian person. But why do we classify that? What do we see? We see the outward appearance we see their outward sin see we see the inside or or god sees the inside of our heart first samuel 16:7 says this and and it says but the lord said to samuel do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature because i have rejected him for the lord sees not as man sees man looks at the outward appearance but the lord looks on the heart so if the Lord looks on the heart and he knows every sin that we ever commit, and he knows the trueness of our heart, should we not also be trying to approach our lives and fixing those sins as well? Now, when we talk about this, we're gonna talk about 1 John 3, 15. It says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So what 1 John, what John is saying is, if we just hate our brother. Now, there's plenty of people out there in this life that I guarantee you we probably hate. But when we see them in, in real life, we walk up to them and we're like, hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. Glad you're here. And the minute they walk away, man, anger kindles in our souls. And what First, what first John 3.15 is saying is that with our hatred, we are classified just as, as if we had murdered them. So do you hate someone in your life? How does First John 3.15 make you feel? How does that make you feel that inside your heart, if you hate someone, you are classified as a murderer? So that hatred that you would say, oh, no one sees, it's probably a two or a three. What Jesus is saying and what John is saying here is that you are classified as a murderer. That's more of a 10. James 2.10 says this, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point becomes guilty of it all. So, if you keep everything if you are if you are a great person if you keep every point of the law but you tell a little white lie or you steal a cookie out of the cookie jar when there's 15 people but there's 30 cookies but you take one extra for yourself that one little sin makes you guilty of it all see that's what's crazy is when hate equals murder and guilty And if we're guilty of one minute little thing, it means we're guilty of it all. That's how God views our sin. So what do you think about God's view of sin? Do you think murder and hatred should be in the same category? Now, let me ask you this. What sins do you have in your heart that no one knows about, that no one sees, but God sees? What little loogie do you have in your life that no one sees that's mixed all up and you look you still look great and you still look good and you still look clean but God sees the nastiness of your heart. See what we do in life is we take the sin and we place it on a rung of a ladder. We say, "Hey, this sin down here is is, you know, okay. It's just a little white lie, but murder's up here at the top." And what God does is he takes that ladder and he lays it flat on the ground and he says that We are all guilty of sin, and we all deserve death. There is no one that is greater than the other in regards to the spiritual side of our sin. And parents, I want to tell you this, please be careful here, because as parents, we often tend to parent our kids inside the church with behavior modification. We say as long as they look good, they sound good, and they appear to be good, they are good. But that's just not true. So, the trueness of their heart is what we really need to be in examining what if our kids have selfish ambition or deceitfulness or or ego or pride inside their hearts that no one knows about because they are they are so good at hiding it but see the the goal of a parent the goal of us is to begin to push our kids closer and closer to the holiness of god so he begins to scrub them clean of all this See, Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than, your, than yourselves. Proverbs 16.5 says, Everyone who is arrogant in his heart is an abomination of the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. So the truth of the matter is, how do we begin to get rid of these sins of our lives that we have hidden that nobody sees? And the truth of the matter is, is the only way we could do that is the supernatural intervention of God in our lives through the Holy Spirit. If we are faithful to confess our sins, he is faithful to rid us of our sins through the Holy Spirit working inside of us. But that takes a process that is called the sanctification process. The minute we surrender our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in us and he begins finding the dark corners of our soul. But the problem we have in our church culture today is we don't talk about these sins that no one sees. We just talk about the ones that are outward, but it says again in First Samuel that God looks at the inward. He looks at the heart. That is what he is mainly focused on because if he can take care of the heart, he could take care of the, the rest of it. And so when we talk about raising our kids in a godly manner, it's not just about the outward appearance, but more importantly, if we can start focusing them on what it means for the Holy Spirit to get inside their heart and change their soul, then the outward appearance begins to change as well. So my, my final verse is this, and this is my prayer for us as believers, or my prayer for us as the body of Christ, our prayer, my prayer for us as parents, and our prayer, my prayer for us for our students. And it is this it is Psalms 51 10. And it says this create in me. A clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. That is my prayer, is that God will create in me a clean heart, not that just, He doesn't just make me look clean from the outside, but He literally gets inside my soul and begins to clear, clean out the dark corners of my soul, and He begins to renew a right spirit within me. John sixteen thirteen says, "But when He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth." Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to get inside of our souls and clean us from the inside out? Because like I said at the very beginning, if he can purify our heart, he begins to purify everything about us in our lives. It's not just about the outward appearance of a Christian, but it is about renewing the entire soul. And the only way we can do that is surrendering our life to Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to create a clean heart and we allow him to guide us into all truth. So let's talk more about purity. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next time. Stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing on.